Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. Are you a startup? Wearable company? Don't know where quite to go from here? Well, you have the questions, and Spectrum Ergonomics has the answers. Go to our company website at www.spectrumergonomics.com and click on the link wearables. There you'll find a wide variety of services and other contractors that we work with to help make your product become a reality. We're here to help you through the process of iteration to packaging and beyond. Now, you mentioned that, that there's another sensor. Can you share much about that that you're working on? Um, I guess, yeah, I have to think about it because there are many new inventions that I made recently. But uh, one thing that I can immediately think is something about sleep monitoring. Uh, we publish our new research outcomes um, in Science Advances from IEEAS. Uh, so recently we developed, again, like a, a miniaturized membrane-based sensor system that can monitor uh, sleep quality, sleep stages, and also sleep diseases like sleep apnea. I'm not sure uh, how people know, uh, you know, in terms of measuring sleep quality and, you know, sleep issues. Uh, when When they have sleep issues like sleep apnea and other things, they have to go to hospital and find a sleep specialist. And um, hospitals, it depends, but there is a sleep lab where patients go in and, and they sleep over there overnight. It's going to be overnight test, uh, which is named polysomnography. And uh, they have to stay there overnight by putting more than 20 wired sensors over the body. You, you think about it, you imagine putting like a bunch of wires all over your body and you have to sleep over there, not your home, which is going to be awkward and it's not going to be natural. However, that's the only way right now to measure your sleep problems and which is very expensive and obviously it's going to be cumbersome, right? 
And the bigger problem is that scheduling, even scheduling that task is very hard. There, there's long waiting line. Uh, so to, to address that issue, right, we developed this wearable device that can be mounted either on the chest area like sternum or it can be mounted on the forehead. You need that single device. And obviously there's no wires or anything like that. And you can just bring that device to your home and sleep at home like you do on a daily basis. Right? Then, then this wireless sensor can measure pretty much same uh, data that you need to measure your sleep quality, sleep stages, and sleep amnia, things like that, with a tablet or smartphone. Then this data can be delivered to clinicians um, and technicians to look at um, and see whether this guy has a problem or not. So I believe that you know once it's realized, uh, it will completely change the existing um, measurement of the sleep quality and sleep uh, disease problems. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point uh, that you bring up about the uh, polysomnography. Uh, I've had numerous patients in through the years that have had those complaints. Well, I can't sleep there. It's not my bed. Um, there's, there's noises. You know, it, it's just, like you said, it's not home. And so they, they struggle with that. So how accurate is that polysomnography when we talk about those factors? Like you said, all the wires. You know, some people don't sleep so well anyway. So now you've got wires on them, and they're, they're looking up at the ceiling thinking, how can I sleep when I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in a spider web? So they may have some you know, difficulties with that. So the, the accuracy of the data is, could be very suspect, and how helpful will it be to the patient? So I think what, what you're doing at Georgia Tech is a very big breakthrough especially for people with sleep problems because of the of the problems that you mentioned with the typical polysomnography and the cost you know there might be insurance companies now saying we're not we don't want to pay for that how bad is it uh, are you really having other health problems you know so now now the physician has to say well yeah we want a polysomnography because we're starting to notice that they're having heart issues because of the apnea. They stopped breathing for too much during the night. Now we're seeing EKG changes. Okay, well, now we'll pay for it. Well, then it takes four or five weeks to get in. Yeah, so mm -hmm. this, this, what you're working on, hopefully um, it'll be out next week so we can all start using that. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm no, really hoping for. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like I said, you know, we're, we're glad you're doing all this, this for patients, but like, can we have it tomorrow? And we know that that's not the case, but, we, you know, we've been, we have been lacking for so many years until sensor technology came out. Um, it, you know, even this, even the sensors in the, the late eighties uh, mm -hmm. where we had patients could actually walk out of their room with the halter monitor on and it was wireless. I remember that. And that was tremendous, but they couldn't walk too far. They'd go out of range. So, you know, we, there was that limitation, but now we're seeing those limitations are disappearing and, this is also, a, yes. like you said, it's allowing patients to do all this at home. They don't have to come into a building. They don't have to go to their doctor's office. They don't have to sleep in a weird bed overnight with 25 wires on them uh, where they feel mm -hmm. like they're a lab rat. And I think that's, that's really important for people. They're, they're going to feel like I don't have a problem. Even though I have these monitors, I can go about my life and not feel like I do have something wrong with me. And yet the data, and it's real-time data, and they're in different situations. You know, maybe we can monitor them driving in the car. You know, is that sleep apnea they had overnight, 
causing them to have what would be like narcoleptic moments while they're sleep, while they're driving, um, exactly. which could save their lives and other people's lives too. So, you know, that's, there's another application for it too, a real time application where they're driving or they're at work, they're falling asleep at the desk and they risk losing their job. Um, you know, those type of things that we sometimes don't always think about. We have a tendency to think about the, the clinical setting or the, the laboratory setting where they're going in for a polysomnography. So I think that's, that's fantastic with that. So I'm assuming that the Paul, that this, mm -hmm. this, um, this polysonography that the wireless one that, that you're working on, I'm assuming was that driven by the medical field approaching you and saying, help us, we've got this issue. Or is it something that, that you, that the brain trust at Georgia Tech there just came up with? You guys said, Hey, look, this is a great <laughs> application for our, our band aid sensors, we'll call it. Or was it driven by? Emory University or one of the other hospitals that have universities or hospitals approaching you saying, what can you do about this? Actually, this specific device, right, measuring sleep quality and sleep issues comes from my colleague, uh, collaborator. Uh, we had a meeting and, and I believe it's like two to three years ago. Uh, she's, uh, she's working in psychology. Uh, she's basically measuring uh, you know, sleep quality from multiple people and mostly uh, from elderly people. And she was working with uh, clinicians and uh, scientists as, at Emory Medicine regarding sleep quality and their relationship with uh, dementia and memory loss and other things. Mm -hmm. And obviously, she's using conventional um, brain signal monitors and polysomnography to do those things. Um, and we already mentioned that, you know, there are many different problems from those existing devices, right? So they, they do see limitations of the existing systems. And then she saw my news from Georgia Tech, uh, where they highlighted, you know, the, the, the advantages of this nanomembrane device and everything because we published a, a paper regarding uh, measuring heart activities and others back then. And then she, uh, she emailed me and asked whether we can repurpose and, or, or add other sensors in a way that we can target sleep. That's how we started. We brainstormed together and then uh, we applied for grants together and we got it from uh, National Institute of Health so that we could um, actually develop this new device and, and, and work with uh, people to measure data. There's Georgia Tech again. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they need to, instead of GT, I think they need to have BT, brain trust, you know, and put the, but yeah, I'm not just, yeah, there's other great institutions out there in the world. Too. I'm, I'm not saying Georgia Tech is the greatest. There's many wonderful oh, yeah. institutions, exactly. but I know yeah. that, um, you know, we keep in contact and I know I'm, 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 I have more of knowledge of what's going on with Georgia Tech than a lot of other places um, that I'm, I'm trying to keep up with this, this fast changing world that, that they're, uh, that they're in and at the drop of a hat, somebody says, I need this. Well, we can do it, but that's a wonderful thing. And I think that, that, that points to um, what postgraduate academic programs can be. And I'm, I want to kind of, I want to just turn the conversation here a little bit to junior high and high school students around mm -hmm. the world that have dreams that have what, you know, what, what can I do? And I think 
when they can when they can look to universities like Georgia Tech and other universities around the world that are pioneering and and at a rapid pace. I mean, it's it's almost like you're 3D printing these ideas. They're coming out so crisp, so clear, <laughs> so fast. And I think it, it to me, it's an inspiration to the younger generation that, mm-hmm. oh, I want to get involved in science. And all of a sudden, like, wow, that's cool. Something that's like a Band-Aid and we can measure these. So, you know, what you're doing is also paving the way for the next generation and what the materials and the technology they're going to have to do even more, to do even better than, than maybe we could even imagine at this point with technology. So um, I think it's, you know, kudos to Georgia Tech, kudos to many of the research institutions around the world because it's, there's an excitement and um, that those of us that are in, in the wearables are, there's an excitement to it. And it's, it's, right. and I'd like to see that spill over to, into the, the primary schools, secondary schools, undergraduate as well. So kind of just staying in that vein, um, let's talk, if you don't mind talking a little about Georgia Tech, do mm-hmm. they have a, some undergrad programs that have, have some sort of communication with the post, post-grad programs like the one you're in that you might want, you can might have a junior or a sophomore in college who's thinking about, yeah, I want to go into biology, but I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a therapist. I don't want to be mm-hmm. a surgeon, but I wouldn't mind doing that because that's biology, but it's also engineering. So is there, is there a, like a farm system, like in baseball where the mm-hmm. grad programs are, are, communicating with the undergrad engineering, the undergrad bio, the undergrad psychology. Yeah, uh, you had a great point. Actually, we do have that program. Um, there are multiple programs available at Georgia Tech. I'm not sure other universities, but I'm pretty sure there are many different types of programs out there too. Um, for example, uh, we have a program named VIP, uh, which is not you know, right, valued, impactful player. It is a vertically integrated project. So we call it as VIP. So that program is open to everybody, including undergrads and graduate students together. So technically undergrad who just came to Georgia Tech, right? As a freshman, uh, he or she can enter the program where she can start doing research with um, graduate students, postdocs, or even faculty members like me uh, by selecting a topic that one likes, right? So I have my own program named Smart and Connected Bioelectronics. And as you can imagine, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we are studying um, multiple things regarding electronics, right? So at the moment, right, we we do that on a semester-based program. But at the moment right now, I have more than 30 undergrad students in my group only. And then, then you can imagine how many undergrads at Georgia Tech are actually working on different types of research programs. There'll be a lot of those people. So they are basically exposing themselves to research and like ongoing problems or like engineering challenges from their first year of college in they, they experience uh, the needs, urgent needs of their help, right, as an engineer. 
right? So that they can have big motivation. Okay, as, as a mechanical engineer or, or as a biomedical engineer, there's that problem. I can solve that problem by studying, you know, physics, by studying biology, by studying biomechanics, mechanics, and so on. So they do have that strong motivation from their um, first year education. So they do see that and, and they can taste it by um, actively participating in those research, either hands-on or like calculation or computation simulation and things like that. So we have that ongoing, pro- ongoing project and, and that program. And I, I'm one of those people who's getting benefits out of it because those talented group of undergrad students are making really good research outcomes. And they are not only helping graduate students and myself, but also they are, uh, you know, generating their own research outcomes, which eventually turn into, you know, research papers or um, commercialization ideas and so on. So, I, I mean, that's a great program that we have. And Georgia Tech has many other opportunities for undergraduate students or even high school students because we have summer um, K-12 program where we invite, uh, you know, local community students to Georgia Tech so that we can give them an opportunity to work with uh, researchers like us. That's fantastic. That's what we need. You know, we, we've got to be thinking we, we have to hand the baton off at some point because you know, we're not going to be here forever with you. Yeah, yes. to, to do these things. Now, these these students, say, for instance, you're, it's a freshman, they're working with you. Over a period of a couple of years, will they actually fine-tune their ideas to become a capstone project when they graduate with their undergrad degree? Yeah, some students do that. They, they follow, they develop their ideas and work on the capstone projects based on their thoughts. And, or sometimes they, they do an independent uh, research project under my guidelines. Um, and, you know, and some students, uh, find out that, you know, that specific research topic is really great for them. So they just pursue that graduate study right away. So we have that, uh, uh, program named BSMS, uh, which is bachelor's, master's, joint program. So you can just directly, uh, go for graduate school without applying for it. It's just continued study from your undergrad to grad school um, without taking any special exams and anything like that. You just take more credits and your credits are kind of transferred automatically so that you can focus on research and other things and get a degree like master's. Then you can do PhD and others. That's fantastic. I think every I think students like not having to take tests. So if you don't have to take any GREs, that's wonderful. You know, you can just exactly. You got yeah, they don't need to take any GRE, right? Yeah, exactly. Good. That's fantastic. So, any of you students out there listening, all right, check your local university and see if they have a program like this, because then you can move, scoot right along. Because we need help in the medical field. We need these wearables desperately. So we, uh, yes, yeah, so we're looking for generation the, the generation behind behind uh, Dr. Yao. We need that those folks back there to come on in and, and continue to work through. Well, yes. my, my final question to you, and I ask this to all my very special guests, mm-hmm. where do you see this field right now that you're in with, with these, these, the nanomembranes, uh, with these sensors in five years? Where do you see 
the advances? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's something that I'm thinking on a daily basis as well, right? What's next? Um, <laughs> what needs to be happening? Um, I think I have to mention this because we are going through it or we are seeing the end of the tunnel. We, we just went through COVID-19 pandemic, right? And many people were suffering from that disease and many people already saw that how that you know, little virus can kill many people, but at the same time is kind of breaking the entire medical system of the countries, right? Uh, because hospitals have limited capacities to accept patients. And especially, you know, when patients have viruses, like something spreading diseases, is a lot more uh, problematic to have many people bring them in, into a hospital at the same time. So I believe that, you know, uh, in near future, uh, this nanomembrane-based wearable technology can be expanded further and it can be used as a diagnostic tool uh, or disease screening tool for patients and uh, just regular people at home. So you can kind of offer a, you know, smart home healthcare, right? And I believe that that needs to come to our life because once we, once we have such device that's available at home, we can buy it easily and we can use it without any issues. Uh, and on a regular basis, right? As, as I mentioned at the very beginning, we can use those devices to measure data, not only just one day or one hour, but also like multiple days and multiple weeks, then we can have better diagnosis and monitoring of, of our health. Then these data can be transferred um, to clinicians and, and these data can pinpoint whether we have any abnormal signals or not. Then we can go to hospital whenever it's needed. Not just we fear uh, we want to go to hospitals or we have to be, we have to be hospital because of this, right? So now I think uh, when we have these available wearable devices that are smart enough to detect abnormal signals and sudden diseases, then I think we can really go into that uh, smart home healthcare uh, world. That's an excellent point. I think that when we take a look at that whole issue of there's no place like home that we you know, if we are, if we are becoming ill with whatever it is, and, and these sensors are picking that up, and we we can take a look at the the whole factor, and, and you know, we can use COVID, we can use influenza. If if we have an individual that's got two or three comorbidities, and we know that, and they're being monitored, and they start to develop one of those particular, let's just say their their breathing rate is changing, it, it's becoming faster and more shallow. We could we could then surmise. Perhaps they're developing pneumonia because they have COPD, mm -hmm. they have diabetes, they're overweight. So at that point, we could quickly start to treat them at home, get a nurse coming into the house and get them treated right then and there versus, oh, now they're in the emergency room at the hospital and they, they can't breathe. They're coughing up, sputum now. Uh, they're, they're, they're starting to become, um, basically the, their ventilation rate is, is, is so rapid now, just trying to bring in any oxygen they can. And they talk about stress and there's anxiety. 
all of those things that we see when people come into an emergency room that creates a sense of, of panic and, and including the staff, like where are we going to put these people? You know, this person's having this trauma. They have to go out in the hallway. I've had patients that have been right. out in the hallway before because they couldn't get them up into a bed right away. They had the bed, but they didn't have the personnel to get them up there yet. Now they're getting more anxious. So that's a great point. I really think that that's an exciting feature to look at is can we monitor people at home? Something bad seems to be happening. All right, let's get a nurse over there. Let's take a look at starting treatment there at home. See how that's mm-hmm. working. Having a, a medical professional, you know, watching them. Um, you know, and home health is a growing field. Um, I, I've done home health briefly through my career, and I've seen the changes over the last 25, 30 years have been pretty dramatic. Now with the wearables coming in, um, you may be able to stay at home. And we all know that you go into a hospital, you can pick up other bugs. You know, you went in with one bug, but yeah. you may catch another one. So exactly. nosocomial infections are, are, um, can be deadly. So, you know, if we can keep people at home in an environment that they're comfortable with, then we may save their life as well as, you know, we're better utilizing the staff. And let's face it, we know that there's fewer doctors coming out of school. There's fewer therapists, fewer nurses. There's a healthcare help shortage. Um, and it's, it's been going on for a long time. So this may be mm-hmm. a way to ease the burden on the hospitals that can't get enough employees to help those that are in there. So this, this could be a real game changer in the, in the long run. I, I'm glad that you brought up that analysis because it's, it sounds like it's, it could be a reality, especially what you folks are doing there, how your things are so rapidly uh, progressing there as far as different sensors that, yeah, that's exciting to think they could be monitored at home and be, and be treated at home. And uh, instead of having to go into the hospital um, and yeah, could mean a I'm excited. Life too. Or death. We, yeah, yeah. We just need better tools, right? That are accurate enough uh, to measure and and deliver the required information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, accurate. You're right. Accuracy is everything. And we um, we in the medical field, we, you know, we can't be satisfied with. Well, that's fairly close. Well, you know, some specialties you can't be fairly close. Brain surgery, cardiology. Yeah, you can't be really close. You've got to be right on. So, yeah, the, I think as the technology yeah. continues to improve with, with that, the, biomar- the biometric data being super accurate, I think is, is that's the key to really being a lifesaver. And, and um, we've seen, as you know, the improvements in that have been remarkable as far as the mm-hmm. accuracy goes. Yeah, we are getting there. Well, yeah, and, and it's, it's getting a little faster. I'm getting more excited to see these things getting, getting close to being out on the market uh, to do that with. But, well... Again, Hong, I want to thank you very much for your time today to share um, two more inno- interventions that uh, you've been coming up with at Georgia Tech, and I'm sure there's more. I, you know, knowing you, I think there's probably another five or ten of them up there in your head, and and your students probably have a lot too. So, uh, again, just keep me posted. Something new comes out, I'll, I'm going to have you come back on again because it, it's exciting to see what's happening out there, and it's gonna it's gonna really be very important. Um, to improve the quality of health for people throughout the world, not just here in the United States, but everywhere. And uh, I think yeah, I'm thanks excited. Thanks for having me. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I can tell you, or I can share more outcomes soon. And sure. Stay tuned. Yeah, I'll, I will definitely stay tuned. So yeah, we'll, we'll keep our contact back and forth up through email and such so that uh, the next thing that comes out, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get you back on. 
And um, any again, any students out there, um, you know, if you're interested in moving in this particular type of field, check your local universities, check Georgia Tech, go online and see what Georgia Tech has. Uh, you know, maybe it's a program now that you might be interested in that you may want to move forward with because we need the next generation coming up now. We want to keep right. the momentum going. We definitely don't want it to stop. So we, we need that younger generation uh, getting out there and, and, and getting themselves involved and, and working with with people like Hong who are the innovation specialists of the 21st century right now. So we're, we're very grateful to you and to all of your collaborators at Georgia tech for what you're doing. And um, again, very enjoyable. Thank you for educating all of us on what's new, what will be coming out in, in the near future. And then your, your five-year forecast, which I'm very excited about as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Well, have a good rest of your day and uh, we'll keep in contact. And until the next time, have a good rest of your day. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. You're welcome. Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services provides a broad array of design and engineering professionals for your wearable project. We feature the following design specialties, pattern making, digital textile, athletic wear, sensor, fashion, exoskeleton, robotics, and mechatronics. We also offer beta testing of your wearable in our private clinic. You choose the demographics and sample size, send us the sample, and we take care of the rest. For more information, go to www.spectrumergonomics.com for more information. Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast, please contact me at my company website www.spectrumergonomics.com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology. And may you wear it well. <laughs>